And what about now? Hello? You don't hear any ringing. So you can't hear Patrick? No. Well, I can hear Patrick. I can hear both of you. Huh. That's really weird. Okay, Chris, hang up on me. Okay. I feel good about this one. I don't. Patrick? Okay, I have another... Okay, Patrick, hang, hang up on the other one and uh, respond to this one. I Oh, I can hear. Oh no, it's his voicemail. It's his voicemail. To finish your recording, you may hang up or press pound. Hello and welcome to What's the Deal, the Seinfeld review show that's 50 episodes strong and 2.9 days long. Each week we dissect every episode of Seinfeld in chronological order. With me today, as always, is Patrick Armstrong. Hello. And Christopher Young. Hi. I'm Cameron Wong, and this is episode 50, The Big 5-0. And today we will be looking at season 4, episode 11, The Contest. And that's right, I checked uh, before the show, and we have 2.9 days of audio. I feel like that's a lot. It is. What's uh, what does that mean for our average then? What's the average length of a what's the deal episode? Oh, I, I don't I don't know. Oh, okay. So it's like what is that about seventy hours? I guess. I wonder if any of our listeners can do basic math. So one, I can't. One point four hours, so about almost uh, an hour and a half. Yeah, that sounds about right. I guess, to be fair, we should divide that by 49 and not 50. So, 1.428. True. I'm glad you're here to clear this up, Cameron. Well, they yeah. call me Dr. Math now. We're off mm-hmm. to an awesome start. <laughs> uh, Christopher Young, yeah. how are you? And how Hold are on. you celebrating the Big 50? How am I celebrating the Big 50? Um, well, got a glass of warm milk here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not true. That would be disgusting. Mm-hmm. Who, who likes warm milk? Babies. Other people well, like warm milk besides babies, I feel. Well, do you like a latte? No. Do you like a hot chocolate? Yes. Well, we got is there milk hot- in a hot... Is there necessarily, like in the Tim Hortons one, I don't feel like there's milk in that. I bet there's some you don't sort have of powdered milk, in- milk, but... You don't have to have milk in a hot chocolate. Yeah, it's like a hot cocoa otherwise. The basic ingredients are water, sugar, cocoa powder. Not milk. I just feel like if you're at the Tim Hortons, you're... Uh... I, th- I, think I feel like we should restart the show. No, this is this is gold. This is what people tune in for. Why would is we this... restart the show? Okay. Happy 50th. Cameron, I, I Cameron mean... how are you doing? <laughs> Well, I'm doing great. Why is Chris being such a Debbie Downer? This is this is number fifty. Yeah, we're celebrating. Okay, I'm I'm happy, super happy. This is the silver anniversary, right? I was gonna say yeah. I I was worried I had to get you guys gold, diamond. Maybe diamond. Yeah. For our fiftieth episode, I'm gonna register. What's the deal? Dot diamonds. Yeah, do it. Well, for our fiftieth episode, I'm going to register what's the deal show dot plumbing. 
so uh, well, you know, before we get to me, Christopher Young, you know, let's let's you know, it's a real show. I know it's number fifty. We're excited, but mm-hmm. you know, how how are you otherwise? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. What, what do you have to report? I uh, got some news. Uh, our film got into a film festival in Austin, Texas. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah it runs during South by Southwest. It's that's called amazing. the so it's RX. the film part of it's the film part of South by Southwest. It's not. We're not actually. <laughs> we didn't actually. We did not actually in South by Southwest. I don't think we actually entered <laughs> South by Southwest. Uh, but um, it's a festival that runs concurrently with it. Uh, kind of like Slam Dance and Sundance, uh, and yeah. So uh, Josh and Andy and Tristan and I, we're all going down to Austin, Texas next month for a few days. Wow! You yeah. can have some of that nice, delicious vegetarian barbecue. Yeah, I've heard so much about that. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 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 my news. Other than that, school continues to just be a pain in the ass. But I think that's probably the point of school. Well, as a as a learned professional, I would say not. Oh, okay. Uh, Patrick Armstrong, it's number fifty. Uh, how are you today, and what are you doing to celebrate? I'm doing great. I'm. Uh, what am I doing to celebrate? I signed up for the uh, like the Montreal Fine Art Museum, like electronic under thirty VIP club. What is what does that mean exactly? It just means you can go to all the like, um, like the like the museum isn't like their permanent collection. It's free to go to, but if they have like a visiting one, costs money to go to. So I don't know. You can go to all those for free during like a year and a half for thirty bucks, and it's normally like twelve bucks to go to one. So why is it electronic? Because I guess the normal one. For people who are over 30, they, like, mail out a monthly or quarterly newsletter or something with, like, photos of the pieces and stuff. And with this one, they just email you a PDF. So it's, like, uh, I don't know, quarter of the price. That sounds great. So it's not, like, all techno, then? I mean, it might be. I don't know that much about it. I just mostly wanted to go to, like, save money on going to the art gallery. Right, yeah. Good for good, you. Good plan. I'm also drinking a nice American rye that I brought back from the United States of America. It's oh. pretty good. What were you in the States? I'm not going to buzz market it, but uh, pretty good. It's good. You are in the States uh, recently? Yeah, I was in Minneapolis. How was that? It was fine. It's an extremely clean and boring city. Cool. Yeah. It's a twin city. Didn't see the other twin, though. What's the other one? Minnesota? No, St. Paul. Uh, Minnesota is the state. <laughs> yeah. What was Could really... be sisters with the state. What was amazing about that was that was a geography question that I would have gotten correct. <laughs> that is <laughs> That is telling. That is telling. Could be people sisters normally with the say state. people normally say Minnesota St. Paul. Oh. So backwards. Like they say it as one thing. Oh. I mean Oh wait, I'm, wait, sorry, Minneapolis St. Paul. There you go. <laughs> I I was pretty confused. Yeah. I'm always pretty confused. Did you know that Eagle Mountain is the highest point of elevation in the fine state of Minnesota? 
No, I don't know anything about Minnesota. It's cold. It's cold here. It's also cold here. Tell you what. Well, it is the Gopher State, so. <laughs> Cameron, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm I'm positively buzzing with excitement about episode number fifty. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only is this you know a, a big deal by number, but after episode fifty, uh, we will have over three consecutive days worth of audio to listen to. Cool. Can you believe that? So someone could not sleep for three days and not have to not listen to our voice. We could be in the Geneva Convention for that. Mm -hmm. That's what they're doing in uh, Guantanamo Bay these days. They're just making people listen to our show for three days. Afterwards, cracked. (laughs) (laughs) We are... uh... We are right into it now. Uh, Yeah, so I'm excited. We're here. It's episode 50. Uh, I know last week we were talking about the Cavalcade of Stars. Mm -hmm. And I I don't want to say what celebrity we have on hold right now. They'll come later in the show when we have time, right? Is it Seinfeld? If we have time, we'll get to the celebrity. I feel like we probably shouldn't bump Seinfeld. We won't. We're not bumping anyone. Right. I, I didn't say who it was. You implied that it was Seinfeld. I implied nothing. I said there's a celebrity on hold. Oh, no. We lost the line. <laughs> hey, you know what? I have one thing to say before we dive into here. I want Enjoy. to thank our good friends, frenemies maybe, at uh, Curbcast. We're buzz marketing us on Twitter. Oh, I saw that. Really? That was nice of them. Yeah. They, someone was saying, I guess they're nearing the end of their run. I guess they've been more consistent than us. Uh, but then they tend to do a more appropriate 15 minute or so podcast for a half an hour long show. And whereas we do an hour and a half for each episode, at least. On average. Um, so I guess they're nearing the end of their run. Someone's like, Are you going to do Seinfeld next? So it's like, No need. There's what's the deal. That's right. Yeah, we got it covered, Curbcast. So. Yeah, they're going to do Wings, I think, next. <laughs> uh, and that reminds Hello, me... Welcome to Curbcast, the only weekly Steven Weber fan appreciation show. Uh, big announcement for our show for episode 50. Uh, we're happy to pre-announce that our next series is going to be uh, What's the Deal with uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm? So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so in 2017, you know, we're we're on it. Well, I'm not gonna lie. 2017 sounds a That's little quite ambitious, Chris. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. because uh, I was going through the what's the deal archives, you know, uh, the the prestigious archives held in the finest libraries and uh, I don't know conservatories of our our world, mm-hmm. and uh, we did begin our show. In the year of our Lord, 2012. So we we are in the second year of What's the Deal show. So 2017, we've we've done 50 episodes. That would put us at episode 100, which would put us, what is that, 80-something episodes short of the finish line. Good, good job, everybody. 
We got this thing. I mean, we're making a mint from the show now. Mm-hmm. With all the buzz marketing on the show. We really should not have agreed to be paid in mints. For <laughs> <laughs> well, one mint. Well, split, th- right. split three ways, though. That's, that's a mint each every month. It is spearmint, though. That's a good kind of mint. Uh, Chris, Chris does not like spearmint. I hate spearmint. Oh, you prefer peppermint? That's right. My dad says spearmint is the bastard's mint. <laughs> spearmint has no legitimate family. No, it's four people with no legitimate family. Them too. Spear monsters is what it's for. You know what? If you'd like a family, I would encourage you to head over to whatsthedealshow.com where you can check out all of today's show notes as well as today's little picture, past episodes, and I don't even know what else we keep there. Little. Uh, well, t- today's big comic. That's right. Big image. And today we have a big show because we are looking at the possibly most revered and undisputed, the most important episode in Seinfeld's history, The Contest, in which Jerry... George, Elaine, and Kramer all enter into a pact to see who can go the longest and remain the master of their domain. But peril surrounds them. Elaine meets John F. Kennedy Jr. Kramer sees a naked woman. George is going to the hospital. And Jerry <laughs> is dating a virgin. Who will it's come quite out the on episode. Top? Who it really is quite the episode, top? people. You're in for a treat. So, with that said, Patrick Armstrong, why don't you take us into this, our 50th episode, and certainly our best episode yet. Well, can I make an opening remark in general about this episode? Absolutely I just not. think, I just think, in general, this episode is firing on all cylinders. It is. It starts out, there's, I'm never bored in the whole episode. When it was over, I was surprised it was already over. It went so quick, it was amazing. It's it's a great episode, but we'll, we'll like, save we'll save this for our review. This should okay. be a review at the end. So we start out with the monologue. Jerry Seinfeld has problems with the idea of his parents having sex, and really the ideal situation is if you're adopted, then you can imagine that your parents were you know just good friends. You don't have to picture the whole thing. A little handshake. Hmm. It made me think of the episode of The Simpsons where. Uh, Kudos or and Kang or whatever their names, Krang. Kodos and Kang. Kodos and Kang, uh, and one of them like shakes Marge's hands, and they're exchanging long protein strings. <laughs> Maybe it's like Avatar, where now your parents just put their braided hair things together, and boom, you come out of the scorny weaver tree or something. <laughs> I wasn't paying a lot of attention. Uh, That's about right. Yeah. Is Sigourney Weaver actually in Avatar? Yeah, absolutely. Does she? Yeah. Who is she in that? Is she Ripley in that one? She's pretty, pretty much Ripley. <laughs> yeah. um, Everything about Avatar is aliens, though. Yeah, uh, aliens and Pocahontas, kind of. But I mean, even just for James Cameron, like it's. I uh, never mind. I mean that that is the mashup that we've all been waiting for. I know people have been clamoring for a while. You know, when are we finally going to get our Avatar and Pocahontas, or sorry, Aliens and uh, Pocahontas mashup? Well, like I think the Oatmeal did one of these at one point too. But the thing that like Giovanni Ribisi is just 
the Burke character. Uh, Vazgaz is Michelle Rodriguez. Uh, Ripley is Ripley. Um, they have power loaders. The flying things look the same. And it's just like basically the same plot, only you just you sympathize this time with the indigenous population instead of the humans. And of course, it has that beautiful song, All the Colors of the Wayland Utani Corporation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, so this, this monologue had me thinking as well about. So, Jerry talks about just the thought is bad. But, you know, none of us are parents. Spoiler alert. Knock on wood. <laughs> what, what do you think you would do in that scenario? You're the parent. What, what can you even do to rectify this? You pretend it did not happen. So do you just tell your child they were seeing things? Oh, so if they want to, t- your child isn't just traumatized by it and actually wants to talk about it. Well, they're oh, they're, you... they're traumatized, and you need to try and figure out what to do. No, so that, the damage is already you done. Ever saw your parents, or walked in on them, or anything? No, my parents never had sex. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> so, is, is there something you want to tell us, Chris? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Well, the reason why I ask is because I don't know if any of you are familiar with the uh, infamous Ragu commercial that came out uh, a few years ago. Now, like Chris the is, pasta one? sauce? Uh, yeah, the pasta sauce. Uh, I'm going to send you guys a link to the commercial, and while you're watching it, uh, I'll, I'll lay out the scene for our listeners. But We're talking about the Battlestar. No, we're not. That was a... Uh, oh, that, was a that was for Crackers. crackers. One. That's right. Okay, let's so, take um, this commercial is so infamous that Ragu has actually taken it down off the internet, so uh, I apologize for, on the show notes, what is going to be kind of a, a less-than-quality version of it. But in this commercial, uh, a child walks up, and then a song starts as he steps into the bedroom about how he's he was told to knock, he didn't knock, he, the child looks absolutely traumatized. And then what do the parents do? Uh, Hold on, I want to I find out. Oh, okay, well... This commercial make oh I'll wait till Chris is done watching it but okay actually I'm just gonna talk about it. this commercial makes no sense like I can't even imagine like first of all I can't imagine the meeting where the um, advertising firm like pitched this and I can't imagine the executives at Conagra whoever owns the ragu property agreeing to this it's ridiculous it makes like i don't understand what it has to do with spaghetti at all it's not even really like edgy uh, i mean the imagery is amazing i like when they open up the bottle okay so now chris is definitely done so what happens yeah, is yeah. that the kid walks in on his parents having sex and the lyrics are uh, he's been through enough and they make him a bowl of spaghetti with ragu sauce and the visuals are incredible as the kid walks uh they start pouring the ragu and fade the pouring ragu bottle into the traumatized child's like face (laughs) then these fists violently snap spaghetti in half and then they're all sitting at the table and the kid's just having spaghetti and he's okay now and he kind of looks at his mom but i don't know if he's looking at her in the same way anymore no can i can i do a pitch can i do a pitch to you guys yeah do it okay okay Pasta, tomato sauce, ragu, 
What do you associate these things with? Sex. Mostly my parents having sex. Dinner. You know, comfort. Childhood trauma. (laughs) (laughs) Let's tap into America's childhood trauma and bring them ragu. You are Don Draper. I mean, if someone took that commercial and mashed it up with the scene where Draper is pitching the carousel, yeah. uh, that would be amazing. Uh, this commercial is is crazy. Uh, try not to take our muted reaction uh, too lightly. You should definitely go to the show notes and check out this commercial where I, I, I just can't imagine in what world they were thinking, one, this is a good idea, or even number two, are we actually supposed to believe that if your child walked in on this, that the solution is to make them a bowl of spaghetti? (laughs) Well, I mean, maybe that's what the kid likes. I just, it's, it's, um, it's such an amazing concept because it makes I love a bowl of spaghetti right now, frankly. Well, (laughs) well, I I don't know what your childhood association is with the bowl of spaghetti. Well, we did just, we did just remind him of a traumatic experience earlier. Well, Chris is actually going out to buy some ragu. (sighs) okay um so speaking of traumas the episode opens on the coffee shop and george shares a trauma of his own um now they actually open like with uh a kind of like a funny situation where it's just a very quick story like what if elaine was captured as a hostage and then, like, would they do laundry? And Kramer does a great, uh, I guess, terrorist impression about doing the wash. I like that it's not specifically racist. It's just a generic ethnic person. And it's about doing the wash. Pretty good. I mean, it's a good start. They're, they're not doing a wash in a hostage situation, though. No, you're staying in your filthy rags. How do you know? Well, why are you wearing rags? What if you're well, trying I to mean, induce Stockholm you're not syndrome? Them for, if you're not washing them for a while and you're in some hostage situation, they're going to become rags. And I think most hostages, I think they tend to be like people in like countries that are like relatively like uh, government and authority less. Uh, people are captured in like, you know, like they're already like fairly like in a unfortunate situation. So they're not rich people in general, who are hostages. Um, They're not doing a wash. They might do a wash. What if they're trying to induce Stockholm Syndrome? Hmm. It's not going to happen if you're filthy. You can't fall in love with your captor. They did kidnap me, but they used fabric softener. Yeah, and not just the cheap stuff either. We're talking bounce here. Well, maybe what you could do is combine these things, and if your kid walks in on you having sex, do a quick wash. Mm-hmm. Wash his eyes. <laughs> so then George George comes in and starts telling a story about how his mother caught him when he was alone because he had a glamour magazine he was flipping through, and it got things starting with him, started with him. Now, is, yeah. is Glamour magazine this sort of a visual aid rock bottom? Is that is that like the Sears catalog? 
I think I maybe women, <laughs> I think maybe women's world is probably the like lowest rung. You guys familiar with women's world? Uh, like a it's like a fitness magazine, right? No, no, no. It's like a it's like a housewife um, magazine. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, so I'm. It's funny if you actually type "glamour magazine" and go into Google Image Search. Number one, if you don't have a seizure from all the magazine covers, it's pretty amazing. Somehow they've managed to make the entire Google Image Search almost all magazine covers. There's no like unrelated photos. Oh, I see. Oh, this would totally to do the trick. I mean, yeah, this would work. It is a very impressive Google Image Search. It it really is. And, I don't yeah. know how they did that. I've never seen anything like this. And with that modest photo of Michelle Obama's strong arms, I can... There's that. But, I mean, you go down to, like, uh, look at Amanda Siegfried. I'm sure we got Katy Perry on here somewhere. Oh, there we go. There's there's one Katy Perry. It's probably more than one. Yeah, I yeah, can you... definitely see this this doing it for George. Yeah, you got plenty of attractive ladies on these yeah. covers. Check out Emma Stone. If there's more photos like that of Emma Stone in here, I'm going to I'm gonna have to go pick up a Glamour magazine. Why do you have that do that when you've got a Google image search? Hey, don't ruin this for me. Um, yeah. Who's that? Olivia Wilde, nice photo. Like I mean, stripes. I think it's I think glamour is kind of perfect because it's embarrassing, but it's not completely implausible, right? Oh, not implausible at all. But I mean, let's not forget we're also talking Glamour magazine like 1990s. I think Glamour... I remember when I was a kid, Glamour If it's anything like this, then it's going to be just fine for George's purposes. When I was a kid, like, I remember seeing Glamour magazine and being, like, kind of, like, allured, you know? Yeah. Look at that. There's another one with Katy Perry. Yeah. See? I I feel like Chris is going well off track. Yeah, so in any way, I I think George's telling of the story is kind of perfect here, especially his imitation of his mom. Now, the thing is, his imitation of his mom sounds nothing like the actor who plays her, uh, but it's great when he goes like, George, what are you doing? My God! Which is uh, an even worse impression, uh, obviously. But uh, it's pretty good. Well, I, I have a little bit of a... Uh... You know, I, I didn't want to get this far into it, so uh, I'll well maybe I'll I'll sit on this for hey, a little nice bit. But I, I I have an explanation for that. Um, and so anyway, I guess George's mom ends up in traction in the hospital, and George says he's never doing that again. Which is a uh, ridiculous thing for him to even say. But yeah, and so that's why it spurs the bet. They all decided they want to be in on this bet. Lane has to be in for 150. Which is but fair. they're all in. Now, um, we're we're kind of powering through this scene, so I, I have a few small observations. Uh, number one in this scene, Elaine is eating, number one, the big salad. I don't know if anybody's noticed that. Did not mm-hmm. notice that. Uh, now, George uh, is also mentions that he's faced with a choice to zip up or catch his mom. He goes for zip up. I think we we can all agree that was that was the correct. Choice. That was absolutely the right one. I cannot think of a single life threatening situation 
that would cause me to not zip up first. Well, if it was like if it was one of you guys that was in peril, you know, I you know zip up. Yeah, I really wouldn't care. Be fine. Here, grab this. Well, that's <laughs> can I, it's the worst part of the show. <laughs> well, I, I can't find the video clip, so uh, we'll see what we can do for the show notes. But uh, the reason why George, I believe, does such a strange voice is that uh, Estelle Harris, I believe, is the name of the uh, actress who plays uh, Mrs. Costanza. I could, I could have that wrong. Uh, either way... Uh, was not available for uh, the initial sort of like warm-ups, the run-throughs of the scenes. And so there's actually video on the DVD, if you watch, that another famous uh, actress uh, sat in for her uh, while they were uh, rehearsing these scenes. Uh, Do either one of you two know who it was? No. Uh, It was none other than the nanny's uh, Fran Drescher. Fran Drescher, oh my. Yeah, I can see that being awful. So this is George doing a Fran Drescher voice. That's kind of what I think. Huh. Well, that makes a lot more sense. I uh, mean, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good version of like a son doing his like aging mother. You know, that in itself, it's not bad. It just doesn't match the like, the like, you know, the the real person playing Estelle. Oh, but it the was, nanny, it was Fran Drescher, makes Estelle sense. Harris. Hmm. but uh you really feel for george in this scene really feel for him yeah i mean it's not good no it's awful mm-hmm. it's pretty much the worst thing i can imagine so what actually happened like how did she actually fall down that part i always get kind of i always i always miss just the sheer shock just like a she just, like a she shock just shocked thing. and she falls over I, yeah. I think she got faint is the idea okay yeah which I can understand. Hmm. I mean, those are her glamour magazines. Um. So, do you have anything else here, Cameron? Uh, you know, I I can let this one go. Okay. <laughs> well, and so the final thing is, she wants George to go see a psychiatrist. What? No, you're 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 jumping way ahead. Oh wait, sorry, that's in the next scene. Um. Okay. So in the next scene, we're back in Jerry's apartment. George comes in. He was on the phone with his mom. She wants him to go see a psychiatrist. And Jerry is going on a date with Marla the Virgin. Still with Marla. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we see Kramer come in. He's very excited. There's a naked woman across the street. All of them rush to the window. As he should be. Uh... I'd be excited. Well, so there's a few really strange things here. Number one, that George's mom, I love that she's in the hospital, and she calls to suggest that George should seek psychiatric help Mm -hmm. because of his self-pleasure problems. Treating his body like an amusement park. Uh, I love that line, by the way. But on top of this, so Kramer basically screams, naked woman, and they all cram at the window. And they're trying to figure out why she's walking naked around the house. And Kramer suggests that, or maybe George, one of them suggests that maybe she's a nudist. 
Mm-hmm. Now, I know on What's the Deal show, we've covered, we've covered this, haven't we? We've, we've talked about nudist colonies. This is not this is not untread ground for us. No. But my question is, is that if you're a nudist, are you nude at home or do you save that for the colony? Oh, I mean, I'm not really a nudist, but I'm nude at home all the time. In the summer? Oh, yeah. I feel like if you're a nudist, you don't feel the need to save up your nude time for when yeah. it's like you just really like being good. naked. Yeah. Mm. In fact, you like being naked so much that you you go to colonies where you can do it with other yeah, people. Yeah, you. Yeah, you're like, why can't I be naked with other people? Um. So, as they're watching this woman, Kramer looks like he decides something. He leaves suddenly, and Elaine comes in. She's talking to the guys, and they completely ignore her. Yeah, because the and, naked lady. Yeah. Uh, and then Kramer comes back in, slaps some money on the table. He's out. I mean, there's so many things that are going on in this scene at once. Number one, it was only now that I realized that, can Kramer even afford to be in this contest? Was that like before his, he do anything? Was that his money for like? Was that his food money for the the next three months? He just eats Jerry's food. Yeah, <laughs> except fine. for fruit. I guess he goes gets a special fruit. I feel I I have no idea how much. What I just love is he pays... he goes and he tugs one out while everything else is happening. Like he's just like, oh, I'll back in a second. Sees that, all right, and I'm done. Back in a minute, he's out. He's very efficient. Like, well, not only great. in his manipulation, but in his decisiveness. He was very excited. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess when Kramer decides something, he decides not only that he's no longer master of his domain, but also that it's worth $100. <laughs> That's what's going on. Well, I mean, it's definitely worth $100. Oh boy, this <laughs> this show. Um, well, are you telling me you wouldn't pay a hundred dollars if if an evil sorcerer put a curse on you, and you know you you could no longer you know self pleasure, except if you paid a one hundred dollar penalty? Are you telling me that you would not pay the one hundred dollars? Uh, no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's hold on. a totally different situation though could no longer or no longer had the urge well i don't know you you just you can't can't but you you want to yeah it's the same situation there oh then yeah 100 bucks yeah absolutely but that's a different situation because in this situation there are other people who are in the same situation and then you know it's like a contest of will whereas that one it's just like it's basically like a tax. Okay, well, a, a sorcerer puts a curse on four of you, and none of you can. And the last person the, to the, not give the $100 gets all of the money. I'm not feeling this sorcerer so, thing. So this sorcerer thing, <laughs> it's just the same as it's entering just, in yeah, this bat with three other people. <laughs> Why do you need a sorcerer? There's no difference in incentive here. <laughs> Why don't you just say if you were in the same situation? Well, because I'm trying to add a little spice to the scenario. 
Sorcerer? But the, situ- but the situation is just that Craver decided that in that moment it was worth more than a hundred dollars. It was worth more well, than well. Well, sorry, sorry, guys, that I'm trying to broaden the horizons of this show a little bit. Sorry that I'm trying to bring in listeners from Harry Potter cast into <laughs> the fold of our show. All right. Um, so, but I mean, like, it, it, long term. It's got to be worth a hundred dollars. Absolutely, but in the short term, you're still thinking you can hold out longer than the other suckers. And oh. the other thing, that, I mean, like you know, I think whatever, whatever Kramer's financial situation is, I think we can agree he has the most financial incentive to want to win. I would agree with that, and yet. I think and he's the first think, one to be like, uh, okay. And he's the obvious choice to go out first. I think a lot of people would say George, but Kramer is a man of passion. He just acts on impulse. Like, Kramer should never have gone in on this in the first place. There was no way he was in contention to win. No, that's true. <laughs> and so, in the next scene, the sorcerer uh, comes <laughs> down from his castle. He... Casts a spell on a broom, and the broom starts doing his work for him. I love uh, Lady and the Tramp. That's the uh, Disney movie we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, George is at the hospital. He's visiting his um, his dear mother, uh, and you know she says she's still upset with him. You know, saying he had nothing better to do at three o'clock in the afternoon, treating his body like an amusement park. Etc. She goes on, you know, saying, too bad he couldn't do it for a living. He could be a big star selling out Madison Square Garden. I, I don't understand where she's getting this. Well, she saw George's performance. Ooh. Yeah, it was quite amazing, I guess. Didn't those guys from Puppetry of the Penis, didn't they play it like Madison Square Garden or something like that? I have no idea. What occurs to me in this scene is the thing that uh, his mother is sort of resting on, but has, she has like wedged but wedged underneath her to keep her feet up. That's one of those uh, sex ramp things. <clears throat> I think it's also for injured people, Chris. Nope, just sex. <laughs> I'm not they... convinced that that is a sex ramp. It's a sex ramp. Because number one, they don't call it a sex ramp. It's the Liberator. I don't know what that is, but like, <laughs> sex ramp? Sex ramp. Yeah. Here. Um... I mean, I know exactly the piece of furniture you're referring to, but I don't think we're calling it sex ramp. Oh, uh, hold on. This link I just sent you calls it a sex ramp. Look at this. Liberator. Wedge ramp combo. Like, I mean, it's a ramp. An off-ramp, if you will. What I, what I really like <laughs> is the link that you sent us, Chris, for The Liberator, which you seem to know the name of awfully quickly, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that on uh, heliohealth.com, which you sent us to, it has a uh-huh. rating of a half a star. <laughs> you know what, though? Uh, on on yeah. Amazon.com, it has a five-star rating from 66 reviewers. Yeah. They love the Liberator bedroom adventure gear wedge slash ramp combo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what she's got underneath her. 
It does look a lot like one of these. It is. I love in uh, in Burn After Reading with uh, George Clooney and Brad Pitt and Tilda Swinton. When uh, George Clooney and Tilda Swinton, when they break up and he's really like mad and off and leaving, he's just he's super angry. And all you see he's do is just he doesn't say anything. He just goes upstairs, grabs his sex ramp, and walks out the door. <laughs> Yeah, he's got his priorities together, George Clooney. He does indeed. It's sex rant. Um, so speaking of sex ramp, uh, in the neighboring bed, you know, there's a sheet divided. The patient there, it's time for her sponge bath. Both the nurse and the patient seem very attractive. And she gets a sponge bath. George is very distracted. Uh, so it's a great scene. It's a great scene here. Uh, I like George's cousin who shows up, Shelly. Uh, never to be heard from again. Mm-hmm. Shows up in this one scene is generally openly hostile towards George and his job prospects. Mm-hmm. We thought you were going to end up a bum on the streets. <laughs> What I love is that this whole scene is played so obviously for a live audience. Like, it just, like, this is the most sort of, like, stage play that Seinfeld gets, where, you know, they're just standing there waiting to get their very sparse dialogue out of the way while people just laugh uproariously. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's so awkward. It's It's pretty apparent when she's like, so, George... What are you doing? And then yeah. there's just a huge <laughs> pause. Yeah. And that's actually part of the reason why uh, later this season and in season five, when the show was picking up steam, uh, the Kramer character, super popular, and when Michael Richards used to do his initial slide into the room, mm-hmm. people would go crazy, and there were these huge pauses, and they realized uh, they were eating up like story time in the show. Yeah. And so they used to film those scenes multiple times of him entering, and they wouldn't actually shoot it until about like the third or fourth time, just to cut down on the audience hooting and hollering. Yeah, hmm. that's funny. But uh, um, they just and then, and then at the end, like as if to like remind everybody they've got a show to do or something. Estelle's just like your cousin's talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> they just cut. Yeah, so the next scene, we're at the New York Health Club. I guess where Elaine does aerobics. And she shows up at the desk, and her friend who teaches aerobics says that John F. Kennedy Jr. is going to be in her class. Not only that, he's going to stand in front of Elaine, and he has a great. Now, while this lady is talking to Elaine, the lady who's working the till, would you be comfortable going to a place of business where someone is, like, stretching out their legs the whole time they're talking to you? She has her leg up on the table. I feel like since she's an aerobics instructor and there's, like, students coming for aerobics, they're going to be, like, into that. They're going to be like, I could do that if I do this class enough. What I really like about what's coming up here is that this is like one of the quintessential Seinfeld gags. The restless sleep scene 
is <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Uh, and they this episode kind of playing uh, to the show's strengths and something they haven't done particularly well in the last couple episodes is that all four characters, their stories are so tightly interwoven. Mm-hmm. And so they can do this. They can do this great gag where, you know, Elaine and Jerry and George are all restless and they can't sleep. And then you have that, like, Kramer sleeping like a baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it's part of what makes this episode so good. Well, it's great because I think when you first see... um when you first see like Jerry not being able to sleep, it's not totally obvious like why he can't sleep. Like there was just the scene where, you know, he and Marla were kissing furiously and uh, then, you know, seen yet, have we? Yeah. Uh, because you don't know yeah, why yeah, we do. You, we do. you don't You're know right. why Jerry's frustrated until this happens. So they're, they're kissing and, you know, she says, let's slow it down. And then, you know, she, she gets out of the car. Jerry's obviously frustrated. And so then you cut to Jerry not being able to sleep. And it's not, like, totally obvious why he can't sleep. But then there's the cut to George and Elaine. And you should have gotten it by this point. But in case you haven't, when they do that cut to Kramer sleeping completely soundly, you know, everyone is in on the joke. It's great. It's really good because, like, no matter how good you are at like picking up the like subtle humor here, eventually they let everyone in on the joke. It's it's really like well constructed. It's great. I concur. Um, all right, so uh, back in Jerry's apartment, Kramer's in a great mood. Jerry's looking slightly rough, but he's still master of his domain. Thing is. This woman across the way, he's driving him crazy. He's going to go tell her to close her blinds. Now, Kramer wants crazy to know talk. where she is. And Jerry says she's doing a wash. Mm-hmm. Do you think a nudist has the same level of wash as anybody else? Or she's still going there? out. Well, I know, but there's there's a lot less travel on those clothes. She's still going to wash her clothes. And you don't know how long it's been since her previous wash. Well, was she held hostage? Well, she was. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Keep in mind, keep in mind, uh, she still got, you know, bed sheets, towels, dish towels. There's also, there's, there's, there's the other things that need to get washed. I'm pretty sure has on the same same basis. I'm pretty sure nudists just sleep on like a bare mattress, right? Oh, that's disgusting. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I was actually about to make a comment about that. Like, do you do you know do you want to be free of the blankets? You think as a nudist, or do you embrace the blankets? Nah, I think they're probably using blankets. It was just a joke. No, no sheets though. No, I love sheets. I hate sheets. And I like to tuck them. Oh, you're the worst. Um, it's disgusting. I like I like in the scene how Kramer, you know, he's so upset by Jerry asking her to close her blinds. You know, he's talking about how this is a once-in-a-lifetime situation. And he says, 
You know, this is what we dreamed of when we were boys. Looking out our windows, we dreamed. Why couldn't there be a naked woman there? I feel like probably, you know, like when I was in the, like, the throes of, like, puberty, I was probably thinking the same thing. You know, there was no, like, window, like, opposite mine when I was a kid. But, you know, I wish there was. I wish there was a naked woman there. I just like that... This is Jerry crushing Kramer's childhood dream. None of Kramer's other dreams came true, or this was Kramer's only dream. (laughs) (laughs) When I grow up, I want there to be a naked lady outside my window. (laughs) And now that dream has come true. It's a pretty good dream. There's there's Jerry with the sword of Damocles hanging over his head. Mm Mm-hmm. Kramer begs him, gets right in front of him. What I like is that the chair, you know, that's, you know, ostensibly supposed to be for that uh, that Mac chair he's got that he uses so frequently, the chair is positioned at the window. It's not even, like, it's not even close to the computer, really. It's just perched there for the lady. Mm-hmm. Well, if she's there, you can't ignore her. You cannot sit by the window and gawk. Especially if you're angry at her for, you know, being so damn hot and and, and obvious about it. I mean, but one of the things we haven't mentioned in this episode is how creepy they're being. I don't yeah, know what you're talking creepy. about. If you're in, you know, apartment buildings and you're close to other windows. You know, I'm saying she's got a little bit of an exhibitionist thing going on here. She's not just a nudist. All sorts of assumptions about this person. Yeah. Um, so, at the coffee shop, George is there with Jerry. He's still the master of his domain. But then Elaine comes in. She has a story for them about John F. Kennedy Jr. And now we hear some pretty good quips, you know, like uh, during the workout or, you know, after the workout, John F. Kennedy Jr. says quite a workout to Elaine. She says, yeah. And, you know, yeah. like, she's she's so enamored, you know, and eventually they're outside. He asks if she wants to split a cab uptown. She does, even though, you know, she's going downtown. She gets dropped off in front of Jerry's apartment. It's a whirlwind of an experience. She's still cleaning the castle. Now, for all of that story, all I could see is that Ruthie Cohen's working the till. Now, has she been working the till already? Have I have I missed that she has already appeared on the show? Or is this the first Ruthie Cohen appearance? Hmm. Do you guys, I don't know. Do, do you even know what I'm talking about? Yeah, of course. Okay. I don't, but I'm I get the gist. You you don't get what I'm you don't know what I'm talking about? The lady 
work in the oh yeah her yeah okay i got it the one who right, the one who rides the horse i don't remember that oh well why are you hosting this uh this podcast all that i got roped into it literally two years ago <laughs> can't back out now <laughs> She, I think she's in a lot of episodes of Seinfeld. Oh yeah, she's in a she's in a ton of episodes. Yeah, uh, she is the one uh, with the famous "Your car is on fire" line. Hmm. Um, Regardless, sorry to to make this Ruthie Cohen cast. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, so so anyway. Uh... In the next scene. <laughs> Yeah, um, there's a quick scene where we see George go back to the hospital to visit his mom. And it's kind of an upsetting scene because, you know, she wants a sandwich, he's hungry, and he's, you know, he's just there to see the sponge bath. He knows when it happens. She wants him to leave because he's not going to go down to the deli and get her a sandwich right away. She's just screaming at him. And he's just leering at this woman next to him. At this point, it's pretty creepy. I'm just showing up there to watch this. At, at the beginning, you know, you could argue it was like kind of unavoidable. It's just this distracting thing. But at this point, he's ignoring his mom. He's just there. It's gross. Yeah. So it's a little concerning. Yeah. Then we'll not get our sandwich. He's there for the show. She just wants a nice uh, roast beef on rye with some mustard. Be delicious. Did she specifically request that sandwich? No, but that's a good deli sandwich. Well, it's a great deli sandwich. I was just, I was surprised that 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 they went that in depth on uh, (laughs) a sandwich order. (laughs) Um, so back at the New York Health Club, Elaine's just. Popping in for the class, she's looking good. Got her hair done. I mean, and, she's got uh, she's got like high poodle hair. I don't. It looks pretty good. For, it's awful. You know, no, it does not look good. I think it looks it all right. Looks like it's a bad look for her. It's not a good look. Well, in any case, you can see she's trying, and he is not going to be there for the class. Now, who he was is there the earlier in the sentence? You know, JFKJ. Him? Mm-hmm. Did you call him JFKJ? Yeah. Hmm. Um, hmm. But Elaine's in luck. He asked about her. He's going to stop in front of her apartment later that evening. Her apartment happens to be Jerry's apartment because of that whole situation going uptown with the cat. Now, I have to admit, this is pretty amazing because... In, it's quite forward in, of JFK the, Jr. Yeah, and in the Seinfeld universe, she's not a celebrity. Mm-hmm. So in the no. Se- so what's happening here is that a celebrity He's taken with his her beauty. Yeah, like a celebrity asked about her. It would be like I don't know who your guys is like number one celebrity sexy celebrity is, but Are you my mom? <laughs> Could you have been any more awkward with that? I'm not going to make you ragu, if that's what you're asking. (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't know who your guys is. Pretty, you know, well, famous woman that you my, my would like to be with in a familiar way. Kind of, you know, celebrity relation you would like to have. See, the problem was that I didn't want to put a specific name to it because I was gonna I was gonna say a name and I didn't want to influence the question I was gonna ask you. Okay. So well, I I don't know who your your top celeb is, yeah. but it would be like if you if you met that person and then I was gonna say Chris like who who would you say is your your top celebrity you know your celebrity crush that you know I'd be like I'd be psyched if they they told me they wanted to hop apart hop up on the bone train. I'd be like, okay, uh, let's, just, let's just go with an easy one. Let's go with ScarJo, just so I can right, call so, her first. So let's just say that you are at the I'm going to the gym, club. which is already far-fetched. I was going to say, uh, clearly this is a science fiction story. Yeah. And you're working out, you see her, you have a little chat and whatever, yeah. and next time you go there, they're like, I hey, say hey. yeah. She says to me, quite a workout, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yep. I like how you come across like a smarmy douchebag. <laughs> I just can't get over the phrase the bone train. <laughs> I was just trying to That was actually the name of the workout we were doing. Okay, I see. Woohoo, everybody. Woohoo. So train. But anyhow, like that is like the everybody. dream when you rub run into your celebrity crush. Yeah. And somehow they think that you yeah, they're just DTF right away. Well, the weird thing about this, well, I guess for wait, was there a hypothetical coming out? Coming did, out? Oh yeah, did you have a hypothetical here, Cameron? Uh, I mean, what happened was that it was on the tracks, and the bone train ran the hypothetical oh, okay. over. So the weird thing oh, is, looking forward to it. He's just gonna stop in front of her building. Mm-hmm. hoping she's there or is he depending on the instructor to like, give this message to elaine uh this is not weird at all what okay here's the thing you have to understand this is a kennedy we're talking about and he thinks she's a prostitute no you pull up in front of the building at the corner you think she's gonna be at and you're a kennedy it's this, 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 there's no, no, there's no, this is, this is a straight up transaction he's looking for here. Um, so, okay. <laughs> so the thing is, pretty woman. <laughs> yeah, it's maybe, it's just, it's just his status. He like thinks like, well, if I'm there, she'll be there. Yeah. My dad was JFK, not Junior. It's not if, an unreasonable assumption. If, I can fly if Scar, an airplane. If ScarJo said, hey, Chris Young, exactly I'm going to pull up in front of your house in, like, a couple hours, Chris yeah. Young would be down at that curb right then and there. I'd be there. Yeah. Sorry, Mom. No, I'm not getting you a sandwich. It's a good point. Yeah. So... What would I wear? Can... What would I say? I don't know, but God. just... The awkward part's going to be explaining why you brought a jar of ragu sauce with you. What would I be? be I'd, I'd want to have to be t- pretending to be doing something. Maybe I'd like uh, steal a dog 
you know, like, oh, Scarlet. I didn't actually know you were going to be here right now. Oh, it's just my dog. Yeah, oh, sure, you can pet him. I just Maybe don't get him. too close. I don't know how friendly he is. But she told you to meet her there, so why are you pretending like it's happening? Just to play cool. Like you don't, like you don't care. Like you she did, she, JFK didn't say meet her there. He said to to you know what's her name with her leg in the air that he was going to be there and to pass it on, so she could be like, oh, I didn't even get that message. What's up, JFK Junior? But Chris, you live in an era yeah. of smartphones. Why aren't you just looking at your phone? Is that not disaffected and removed from reality enough that you had to steal a dog? Dog's cuter. Dog's a babe magnet. But it's and I mean, I mean, I may have got this far with ScarJo, but let's face it, I am like I'm about to flame out any moment now in this situation. Again. So the dog's gonna help. Dog's gonna help. So back in the apartment, Kramer sitting in the chair watching the woman across the way and he is being a creep in a way that we haven't seen since a very early episode of Seinfeld where he was also looking at women on the street you know and he was like that's for me oh yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah no yeah do that okay Mm. it's a show she's putting on a show it's like one of those uh, live cam things that Kramer doesn't want to actually pay for. So he's just watching the preview thing. Meanwhile, Jerry <laughs> is doing the probably the least sexy things possible. He is watching Tiny Toons while on the phone with his mother. Nick at night. Nick at night. Jerry's obviously having a rough time. Then the scene ends. There's a cut. We see Elaine sleeping. We all know what yeah. that means. The next day, means she Jerry was getting ready and didn't want to be too on edge mm-hmm. for uh, JFKJ. JFKJ. Now, our f- fans of the short-lived cartoon Mission Hill, does Jerry's attempt to sing a song to ignore Kramer remind you of uh, the bling blong of Kevin? You know, it didn't. But now that you mention it, it's uh, it's a pretty good parallel. Okay, so the next morning, we're in the apartment. Jerry and George are extremely grumpy. They start arguing. George thinks Jerry has his socks, and uh, it's it's a mess. Elaine comes in. She is out. Seems worth it, though. She seems to think it was definitely worth it. I love this bit about the socks. And I I, I was trying to imagine so many of the stories on Seinfeld come from true stories of the writing staff. I want to know who had the sock story. (laughs) Sock story? I feel like it has to be Larry. I feel like it has to be Larry David. Because, I mean, it's pretty crazy, right? Like, it sounds insane. Or, or maybe not. You guys think it sounds real? No, it's absolutely insane. We're talking about the socks, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you what don't think what, what, what story are you on right now, Chris? What part of, what part of the story do you think is insane, though? 
two people arguing about someone thinking that someone else stole their socks. You think this had to happen? I don't think this had to happen to anybody. Well, if you were listening to the story I just told, uh, on Seinfeld, almost all of the stories, if you watch like the inside looks, one of the members of the writing staff talks about how that was their story, and it's because like such and such a thing happened to them. And so I, I actually don't think it's that far outside the realm of possibility that mm-hmm. one of the writers had heard of somebody accusing somebody of stealing socks. Now, uh, you know what? Actually, to be honest, to be honest, which I only ever am, uh, every time I do see one of my friends with socks that are similar to mine, I do think for a second if they stole them. <laughs> <laughs> it's happened several times. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I have those, like, uh, generic Costco socks. But then you remember that they don't have clown feet. Socks don't come in various sizes and stuff. They, you know. What? Yes, they do. Socks well, I mean, not like, not like, like, not like, as varied as shoes. It's just like small and large socks, or small and regular socks, for the most part. So, I like how, by your definition, they're <laughs> small or regular socks. <laughs> I'm regular, i.e., freak feet. Everyone smaller than me is some sort of freak. Is some sort of just like you know, micro peen guy. Oh, it's been a while since the micro peens come up on our show. Yeah. Hello. Um, Venice. But no, every time I see like he's like the the same same socks. I'm pretty sure I'm thinking, are you in my house? Did you need to borrow socks once and not give them back? Wait, you really suspect people of stealing your socks? It crosses my mind. Are you losing lots of socks? I don't know. I don't think so. What, why do you think other people are taking your socks? Because when you see someone wearing your clothes... But if you, you know, see someone wearing the same, like, a shirt that yeah. you, you know that you have, yeah. is your first thought, did they take my shirt? Yeah, I mean, if it's, one of, if, it's, if it's a friend, if it's a stranger in the street, no. But if, it's, if, it's, if, you, if, if you show up... And you're wearing my shirt, and I haven't worn it for a little while, and it's the same size. And I'm thinking, hmm, ah, Cameron, huh? That thieving bastard. Oh, maybe not. Chris, I want like, you to see a psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> Elaine, Dennis, Kennedy, Junior. Junior. Sounds do you uh, do you adopt the Junior? <laughs> no, but that makes it so great. <laughs> uh, do you think the Bennis Kennedy? His wife that he kind of killed. Um, what? You know, JFK Jr.'s his blonde wife that, you know, died with him. I don't know what you're talking about. He was married to a pretty attractive blonde lady. Then he flew a plane into the ground too fast. And... You know, it's pretty clear. What was his name? Her name. I don't, Patrick, are you are you familiar with this? Do you know what Chris Young's talking about? Yeah. Kellen Bassett. There you go. Kellen Bassett. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I'm sorry. I I didn't know that John F. Kennedy Jr. crashed a plane with a a pretty young blonde woman in it. Well, you uh, know how he died, right? Uh, no. Oh. He was flying a private airplane. Well, I I know now. Spoiler alert, Chris, Chris just ruined it for me. 
Sorry, I thought I thought I thought we were all well aware of this part. Uh, you know, I I don't actually aside from the president. Yeah. I, I know that a lot of the Kennedys have died in in rather unfortunate circumstances, but I I don't know what they are. I I don't I don't I don't uh, I don't follow the Kennedys that closely. I don't. Well, there's not many of them to follow anymore. Well, no. I, were you about to say no pun intended? There was no pun there, Chris. There, no, I was just like hello. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, okay, let's get back on track here. Whatever do you mean? It's Saturday. Jerry and Marla are on a date. They're making out. Marla is finally ready. They're going to the bedroom. Marla says, this must have been tough on you. You don't know the half of it, Jerry says. You know what? He tells the whole story. She's disgusted. Now, this is really where we find out. Like, I mean, you have a character or a person that you know in real life, and they're a virgin. And, you know, they're as old as Daphne is. It's like, okay, those are like your your wishes, or that's like your belief system or something. I can respect that. Um, but this is where we find out that Daphne is just a prude. Like, a total prude. But if you're not, like, if you're not in the world of sex or sexuality maybe maybe there's no sort of like it's hard to empathize with that no i don't think so i think if unless you're like a freaking amish person and don't have friends that have sex and and bus and also but if why you're be amish what does technology have to do with this you know they're very sexually repressed and you know they you know if you're holding hands before marriage you're you're out of the village or something are you sure you're not getting this confused with the movie The Village? Uh, listen, I saw Witness, all right? And the twist in the end, when it turns out Harrison Ford and that chick from uh, Top Gun were actually, like, in regular society and they just, you know, didn't know it. <laughs> what I'm so saying the- is... Uh, there's, there's just no excuse for being uptight and, and repressed about about sexuality in general. You know, you I'm yeah, I'm kind of on Chris's side here. I feel like it's completely unreasonable for her to be upset about this. Like she could think it's like maybe like a little like silly or immature or something. But I but think like, being outright disgusted, yeah, that's that's a little weird. You know, like. I think you guys are, are not looking at the the broader context. This is a woman who's like in her, you know, maybe early 30s, uh, has never had sex. She's a virgin. And she has just made the conscious decision to kind of like commit to this. So to, to her mind, this is like a special once in a lifetime event. And then your chosen partner tells you that they're in a masturbation contest. I I, I, yeah. I can see why that might be upsetting. I'm not saying that she's not overreacting, but I, I think giving the, the context of the whole scenario, I, I have a little more sympathy than you two. I don't have any sympathy for this. I think it's totally unreasonable. And I've known I've known, you know, virgins that are I don't know about thirty. Upset but, by a masturbatory contest? No, but well into their their twenties, you know. And I just cannot imagine that their response to this would be like, oh, you pervert. I guess like unless unless you're super religious, in which case, uh, you know, 
why is Jerry with her? Why is she with Jerry? Why is she agreeing to 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 get down with Jerry after a few weeks of going out? Like none of this makes any sense, I think. Uh, I just I just think that there's there's a degree of leeway given here. Like I have some understanding why she would be upset. Now, I, I'm not saying that I think that it's that it's a reasonable reaction, but I can I can see why. I can see why she might act that way. And it's not I get the feeling that that Daphne does not kind of like carry with a group of friends that would, would be as open, perhaps, about sex and, and sexuality and things people do, and maybe that's that's playing a part in this scene. And maybe that's the reason she fell for Niles. Well, that's right. Frasier cast. Yeah, so... Elaine has been then waiting. Then she gets us... Okay, yeah, tell your, tell your thing. Elaine's been waiting yeah, for Patrick, Jonathan... Yeah, tell us your little thing. <laughs> Elaine's been waiting for Jonathan Kennedy Jr. He never showed. She goes up to the apartment, but Jerry well, or George there's, comes there's, in. There's, there's, there's this part you're skipping, though. Well, Just... Marla's disgusted and she leaves. But then she gets downstairs. And yeah, and then she turns into a lane. Right. Like, like. She doesn't want anything to do with her or her disgusting friends. Yeah, she gets down. Like, I mean, I just think it's. I just. I I think it's totally unreasonable that she goes down and then lays into a lane. I don't see how there's any justification, you know, virgin or not, for being so. Such a bee. <laughs> okay, so back in the apartment. That was good censoring, Buster. Uh, <laughs> this is freaking communist China here. Back in the apartment, Elaine went up to the apartment because JFKJ never showed. But then George comes up. Apparently, he did show. He was down there talking to Marla, comforting her. Scoots her off in his limo or whatever. To who knows where. Yeah. Then goes... they see... Sorry? No, never mind. I'm getting ahead of myself. Then they see Kramer across the way with the nude woman. I'm curious how that happened. You know, then we cut. Everyone's sleeping. So, what I'm curious about is Kramer's approach... Like, how did he meet this nude woman? Did he just go to their apartment? He's like, you know, I've been watching you intently through the window. I feel like we would get along. See, I've been thinking about this. Um, For 20 years now, and here comes the answer. uh, It's, I mean, it's it's actually similar to my ScarJo plot. Um, You just have to... Steal a dog. Well, yeah, find some sort of reason to be outside the building. And then... You know what she looks like. You know what building she lives in. You know, you're just you're doing something around there, and then you 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 kind of engineer like a meat cute. Don't say meat cute. That's what it is. Don't don't say meat cute. You engineer that outside. It's like, oh, I'm just walking my adorable dog that is mine, and uh, you know, or like your, you know, whatever you're wearing, shoes, and um. Then she invites you up, and now you're nudists together. And if you're Kramer, maybe you don't close the curtains, but um, I'm guessing someone else would. I might close the curtains at that point. 
Maybe that's how she likes to get down. She won't do it unless the curtains are open. In which case, I'm fine with this. Gary, you can close your curtains. I'm well, doing this thing. Thanks for tuning in this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, Is this the show? <laughs> so this is what out, people turn into. <laughs> it turns out Marla did it with JJ. Now, you keep calling them all sorts of names. Mm-hmm. Why, why JJ now? That's John, what Elaine was calling him. John Jr.? Yeah. Oh, it's for John John. Okay. I'm just trying to John, keep John. up with you. <laughs> I'm trying to keep up with your fast-paced nickname world, you know? Like, just... I know a lot about John F. Kennedy Jr., what can I say? I know he died in a plane crash. Hmm. And was very handsome. And you know what? He had a great butt. Well, fictionalized John Kennedy, John Jr. Okay, him too. Fictionalized so, JFK Jr. did at least. So the episode ends with the monologue. Talk about how men just want to see women naked. Men are interested in the things that are covered up. What do men want to see in topless cultures? Now, was was this last joke vaguely like racist? Was was there, was there something inappropriate going on here where he, where he talks about uh, popping off the uh, the collar and uh, pulling out the nose ring? It's it's definitely you know uh, on the line here. The yeah. He didn't say burka or anything. It's true. Could have gone Because anti-Muslim is the only kind of racism. No, but I'm thinking of a specific piece of clothing that could be specifically associated with a ethnic group. I don't know. I don't know. He's definitely, he's definitely on this line. Yeah, it's not a great joke anyway. Mm-mm. So... It's actually kind of a weak ending to the whole episode, because... Yeah. Can we talk about the episode in general now? Yeah, it's time. Let's, uh, let's do it. I have to say, like I was saying at the beginning, I was never bored in this episode. It went really quick. I feel like the writing was really tight. There was no, like, wasted time. Like, when George went back to the hospital for the second time, that could have been a long scene, but they kept it tight, you know? They just had the essentials there. They just wanted to show... George being a ledge. It's pretty good. If only uh, our listeners could say that uh, they weren't <laughs> bored the whole time. <laughs> uh, what about what about you, Chris Young? Uh, thoughts? Uh, just a blockbuster episode. It's uh, I was I was laughing out loud almost constantly. Yeah, I mean, I'm just uh, I'm inclined to agree. It's a pretty amazing episode. You know, you'd think that at this point the novelty of this episode would have worn off, uh, but it it has it has a magic of its own going on. It's it's pretty hard to deny. Uh, the stuff with George and his mom is just hilarious. Oh yeah, actually, you know, we didn't even mention that line. That was a line that I I definitely laughed out loud and really liked, where Jerry explains to Marla. That the whole thing started with George and his mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, just, just winners the whole way through. Uh, the whole, 
it's the first time the whole cast is involved in like a legitimately funny story that involves all of them around one central detail uh without kind of excluding one character or very very weakly kind of tying one of the characters in and and normally in those early episodes it's kind of usually always at the expense of of Kramer Michael Richards usually doesn't have the most interesting tie into the episodes but this episode everyone's in on the action uh, I gotta say I felt like uh JFK Jr's part was a little underwritten well seeing as how he's not a cast member <laughs> <laughs> um all right well that was pretty good yeah it was great well, already ensued. You know what? That means it's time for other business. Mm-hmm. And as always, I will send you over to what's the deal show.com where you can check out this week's other business item along with today's show notes, today's comic, back episodes, and more. So, uh,. I have a bit of a special surprise 50th anniversary and by 50th anniversary I mean 50th time we've done a show anniversary Yeah. Uh, what's the deal other business so yeah. I, I do have a small other business topic to talk about and then I will unveil the surprise unto you so here's the, here's the story and the story is about how a Missouri County spelling bee went the distance now in this spelling bee Two kids, ages uh, 11 and 13, went 47 rounds at a spelling bee before using up all of the available words for the spelling bee. And uh, now they're going to have to go again. They're, they're going to have to get a new word list and challenge them. And people here... Uh, the 66 on- rounds here. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, sorry. 66 rounds, yes. Oof, it's even more impressive. Um. And it's funny, you know, the people who are just so into spelling bees are calling it legendary. I read another article on a different webpage where someone called it magical. Uh-huh. Um, so what do you guys think about spelling bees as a form of competition? Uh, you know, it's a weird way to live vicariously through your kid better than the beauty pageants i guess mm-hmm. what, do you th- what, do you, what do you think about them patrick hmm. i'm having a tough time deciding how i feel about them i mean i think it's good that people know how to spell i think you know it's if people are enjoying doing it it's you know as good it's as good a competition as any i guess but you know after a certain point i don't really care how well you can spell like yeah if you can spell fentocini uh, i don't care if you, Especially you considering... can spell schadenfreude who cares you know that's what the autocorrect is for yeah you know it's you need like... a bare minimum of spelling you know you need some basic level but after a certain point you're just kind of showing off right but I guess that's what they're doing. Maybe that's okay. Isn't that a competition? Kind of showing off a bit, though? I guess so. I guess I could say the, whole, the same thing about the Olympics, right? Let's, let's have a modesty competition. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, at the same time, it's like it's... Like like it, like Patrick said, you know, we're going to get these kids together and see which one of them is 
you know, most proficient at using a loom. Uh, <laughs> who cares? You can spell a big word. Who has uh, the most? Who has the most exact and cursive writing? Yeah, like who cares? Like this is why your kids got homeschooled. You know. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, tell you, Chris, that on Google. Not too many uh, impressive results on Loom competition. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and as far as like the whole culture around this, like these people are calling this legend. Like, it sounds like a like a Christopher Guest movie. And people obsessed with their dumb kids and. Ugh. It does sound like a Christopher Guest movie. <laughs> he should make one about spelling bees. I'd see that movie, but I mean... Catherine O'Hara can be a mom. Yeah, yeah. That'd be pretty funny. Well, Cameron, what do you think about this? Spelling bee competition? Oh, it's stupid. <laughs> I, I, think it's, I think it's a terrible idea. Coming um, from the teacher, I love it. Well, yeah, basically, I guess. I don't know. Uh, there's this line from The Phantom Tollbooth that I, I really love where uh, there's a, there's actually a character called uh, the spelling bee and he is a bee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the humbug tells him something along the lines uh, of... Is there just uh, all puns in this story? No. All bug puns? No. All right. Just those two? Uh, yeah, I guess so. But uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's a line, uh, and this is not verbatim, but it's like something about like uh the the slavish concern for the composition of words is the sign of a bankrupt intellect (laughs) uh and i've i've always liked that i've always thought that's like a perfect way to kind of express how i feel about people who are very prissy about spelling uh yeah you know spelling is important and you know i as a teacher i certainly encourage people to spell correctly but I, I don't think spelling something to get particularly uppity about. Like, these are the kids that are going to grow up and, A, they're going to have terrible social skills because they think they're super smart at something that is just totally not relevant to society. And they're going to, you know, release their aggression by correcting the grammar in public washrooms. Why public washrooms? Because it's where people, you know, they'll, they'll correct the graffiti. You know what I mean? Like in the inside of the stall. Mm. They're that kid. That damn kid. Well, um, I have something for you guys. Uh, I hope that is you like... Is it cake? <laughs> it is not cake. Is it diamonds? gold? It's not gold. Diamonds? It's not diamonds. Mm. Is but it I, cake? I hope that you guys like competition uh, because this is for the fans. Is it Flappy Bird? No, it's not Flappy Bird. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, for the fans, we have right now before us a competition between probably uh, our two favorite people on What's the Deal show, Patrick Armstrong and Christopher Young, are going head-to-head in a fan appreciation battle for this, the 50th episode of What's the Deal show. Now, I will, uh, in post, uh, put in dinging and buzzer noises. Okay. 
Uh, I have some questions for you. Uh, the rules are simple. Don't use your browser during this. Chris types pretty loudly, so I feel like I'll hear him cheat. Uh, which one of you two would like to go first? I'll go first. Hmm. Bold. Patrick Armstrong, first up to go. Let me ask you. How do you spell... <laughs> sepial, as in Mike Sepial. Oh, this is tough. I think it's like a Polish name. Okay. C Z E I P L. I'm sorry, you are incorrect. <sighs> uh, Mike Sepial. C Z E. Wait, doesn't it go to me then? What, can you steal? Is there stealing in this game? Yeah, sure. Why All not? right, for the steal, Chris Young, Mike Sepial. All right. S? Uh, <laughs> hold on. Uh, no, that's already wrong. Okay, S? No. E? No. I? N? F E L D. I mean, what's amazing is how I already started to say the correct spelling and you kept going with an S. It is spelt with a C. It's C Z E P I E L. What Mike did I say? C P L. You said C Z E I. Oh. Close, close. Well, uh, it's all right. There's still there's still questions available. Uh Chris Young, your turn. Uh one of our many European listeners, Felix, lives in what city? Sweden. Okay. Uh, Patrick Armstrong, would you like to steal? Oh, sure. It's like... <sighs> I, I know it. I know it. There's cactuses. There's a cactus park. Texas. Uh, you have three seconds. Conenberg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so unfortunately, neither one of you got the correct answer of nor coping. All right, nor coping. Yeah, tip of my tongue. Well, uh, Patrick Armstrong, uh, nor coping. Seeing as how that was on the tip of your tongue, uh, the next question is about the cactus park in nor coping. What is the name of the cactus park in Norcoping? It's named after a guy. Uh, Felix Bjork Park. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, that is not correct. Chris Young, do you have a guess? Pass. Super pass. Neither one of you uh, correctly able to identify Carl Johans Park. <laughs> well, uh, this next round is going to be judged. Uh, Chris Young, please do your best, and I will uh, paste it into the chat here for you. Please do your best to pronounce this word. You get one attempt. Oof. Uh, 
Murfreesboro. Okay. Patrick Armstrong? Murfreesboro. Well, let's uh let's go to the, the, the scoring sheet here. The judges are tallying up their scores. Is this Lucy and Penny? Uh not yet. And uh, the judges uh, have rendered their their verdict. The pronunciation we were looking for was Murfreesboro. I believe the point goes to Patrick Armstrong. Yes. Oh, shit. I'm Armst- on the board. Patrick Armstrong up by a single point. Uh, so next question for Wait. you. I have a question for you, Cameron. Uh oh. Can you do this? I can do whatever I want. I mean, I just I w- got a point. <laughs> Is that how this game's working? Okay. So in Murfreesboro, there's a famous music-oriented event that has gone on for 30 days, 30 years, named after a famous uncle, one of Murfreesboro's own sons. What is the name of this festival? We actually talked about this uh, in an after dark of a I know we did Freesboro. Um, boy, I'm pretty sure I have a. Partial, he's an uncle. I was gonna say I have a partial answer because I I remember he's Uncle Dave, but there's it's it, there's two parts to his name, isn't it? Well, he has a first name and a last name. Is Uncle Dave acceptable? <laughs> it's pretty close, but that's only like, gonna be a half point. You gotta have a full. He's got like another name. It's like Murfreesboro. <laughs> it's Uncle Dave Macon Days. Uncle Dave celebrating Macon's. the musical tradition of Uncle Dave Macon, famous for also known as Dixie Dewdrop. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, known for his chin whiskers, plug hat, gold teeth, and Kate's a jar collar. All right. Well, uh, Patrick. <laughs> Patrick Armstrong in the lead, uh, Christopher Young. Uh, let me let me ask you the next question about the fans. Uh, big fan of the show, John Grady. Yeah. What is John Grady's place of business? Oh. Uh, he's butcher. Um. Yeah. You have five seconds. No. J&J Meats? That is incorrect. That was his Twitter. <laughs> Patrick Armstrong? The Red Barn Market. The Red Barn Market. Correct. Patrick Armstrong, two points. Two points. Chris Young doesn't care about the fans. Uh, Patrick Armstrong, your turn. Uh, Kevin Skrepnik, the voice of the BC Fire Service... How do you spell Skrepnik? S-C-R... Wait. S-K-R-E-P-N-E-C-K? That is incorrect. Chris Young? Oh, I don't know. I have no no clue. Okay, that is correct. Chris Young, two points. Tie (laughs) game. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so 
Uh, Skrepnik, uh, correct pronunciation or uh, spelling is S-K-R-E-P-N-E-K. No, uh, no additional C in Skrepnik. So uh, this is the tiebreaker to see who appreciates the fans uh, the most. <laughs> There's a lot, of, a lot of pressure on this one. So uh, let's let's make sure we get this correct. In fact, you know what? Why why hurt the fans? We'll go with a, a non-fan related question, but just see which one of you two knows the most about our show. And this is the 50th episode before we, before we sign out. Uh, what's the Deal show? We were talking about the 2.9 days worth of What's the Deal show there is to listen to. One episode of What's the Deal show runs over two hours. Uh, closest to the correct answer, what episode ran for two hours? <laughs> Just a number. You don't have to give me the title. Mm, I'm going to guess episode 40. Now, is this Price is Right rules? No. no. It's just closest to. I'm saying... Twenty-eight. Chris Young, uh, episode twelve. Shame is uh, an important part of, and I don't even know what the rest of that title is. Uh, mm. An important part of any vacation is our two-hour episode. Chris Young, decidedly, is the fan favorite and knows the most. About yeah, obviously, like no duh. <laughs> Giving back to the fans with his yeah. great wit with lines such as, no duh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this, the 50th episode, and even if you did not, uh, hold on to your butts. Because next week, we will be looking at Season 4, Episode 12, The Airport. And in The Airport, uh, Jerry and Elaine coming home. Flight gets canceled. They have to rebook only one seat in first class. Who's going to sit up front? Well, I'm not going to spoil it for next week, but the person's name rhymes with Barry. Uh, George and Kramer are on a crazy airport pickup run, and Kramer tries to collect $240 that a what ex-roommate owes him from 20 years ago. All this and more in next week's 51st episode of What's the Deal Show. Hell of a show. Head on over to what's the deal show.com. Check everything out. Patrick Armstrong. If people wished they were a part of the trivia, well, they got to talk to us. How do they do that? Well, you can follow us on Twitter. We tweet at WTD Show. We post all the shows there. We, uh, you know, you can, you can send us app messages. We'll probably respond, or other fans can respond. We continue our rivalry with Curbcast. You know, we do a lot there. And you know what? If you don't like Twitter, maybe you like Facebook. You can hit us up at facebook.com slash what's the deal show. Uh, same kind of thing. Post all the episodes there. Felix will tell us things about uh, Norcoping and whatever Cactus Park. Carl Johans. Carl Johan Park. <laughs> I don't have to. I don't have to try now. You know now yeah, that Chris is the, the fan favorite. Who the hell's Carl Johan? 
He's the guy that brought the cactus to Sweden. This is the dumbest thing ever. So that's not yeah. a thing. That's ugh. and uh, that's it. You know, or you can follow us on Tumblr. I guess some people like 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 things on Tumblr or like image with Elaine with the huge shirt. That was pretty popular. Like that retumbled or whatever. Yeah. What do you do on Tumblr? Retumble? Yeah, it's a retumble. Reblog? It's a retumble. You tumble again. Yeah. Uh, uh, Christopher Young, if somebody wants to help out the show, what can they do? Uh, you know what? They can go to they can go to iTunes, and uh, you can vote one out of five, and uh, five, you vote for whether or not you think the camera should have just you know got us gold. For the damn 50th anniversary, instead uh-huh. of embarrassing Justin like that. Or, I mean, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure who's more embarrassed. Definitely Justin. <laughs> yeah. I know. So, I mean, you can do that if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chris. <laughs> or don't, whatever. Well, that was... That's uh, informative as always. You're welcome. He is something else, Chris Young. Where yeah. would we be without him? It's hard. It's hard to imagine. <laughs> uh, well, seeing as how Chris Young misspoke, I would like to take this opportunity, of course, on this our 50th episode, to say thank you to everyone for listening to the show. You know, if you were Felix, Mikey Seeps, or Jared L. Green, or Kevin Skrepnik, who made the cut for the trivia, Megan, David. Kaushik, you know, has been in contact with us, wasn't on the trivia. Good guy. Our uh, guest host, Justin Armstrong, Mr. Jonathan Grady, all those people. Uh, you know, thanks for listening. Please continue to listen, uh, you know, unless you've had enough, in which case, stop. Just give it up. Yeah. <laughs> and so, with that, as always, a hearty thank you from Christopher Young. Yep, yeah, bye. Patrick Armstrong. Mm-hmm. and myself Cameron Wonk thank you very much and we will see you again next week and that's yeah. that's, that's a show that's how you do a show show yeah what was that it's the theme from you don't know Jack I don't know what that is was that what that was yeah yeah, I'm just gonna grab a glass of water. Oh man, am I the only one celebrating? I've got I've got a beer on the desk, and I have a second unopened beer on the desk. Well, maybe I'll pour myself a little cup of rye. Maybe I'll make more coffee. Chris, yeah. slow down. <laughs> okay, it's gonna be tricky. Getting this to look right. I'm not gonna lie. Hmm. Do you think it's possible for Patrick to be making more noise? Absolutely not. No. Couldn't. Couldn't possibly. I mean, every time he says he's going to, like, make a glass of water, it sounds like he goes in and, like, breaks his entire kitchen. Like he has a water plant. (laughs) 
Okay. I'm ready. Do you take, Are you? Do you take a sledgehammer to your kitchen to get that water, or how do you explain the noises? Um, I pour the water out of a Brita filter. I should... I, I When this episode's over, I'm going to cut out the audio of you in the kitchen. Okay. I think you'll That's be... I think you'll be surprised. <laughs>